at 4,000 feet today. I'm Rod Hill. Quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? Right. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Live. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved Republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. I will use Title 42 to end the child trafficking crisis by returning all trafficked children to their families in their home countries and without delay. And I will urge Congress to ensure that anyone caught trafficking children across our border receives the death penalty immediately. That, of course, is Donald Trump, the last great president of the United States. And, of course, it's one of the things he did while he was in office, signing new legislation to go after child sex traffickers. Well, now, now I've got lots of people sending me notes saying, Lars, have you seen the new Epstein documents? Yes, I followed the release of those documents yesterday and last night, and more are coming. In fact, so far, they've only released about 40 pages. Uh, they're going to release another 250 pages. And let me tell you something. Those documents are chock-a-block with the names of some of the most powerful, influential, rich, and politically connected people in America, and in some cases, in the world. But I wanted to remind you, Donald Trump was death on sex traffickers, always was, and I think always will be when he assumes office in January of next year as the president of the United States. Well, now his name is turned up four times in the documents released in a defamation case brought against the late convicted pervert Jeffrey Epstein. And by the way... I will never believe that Epstein committed suicide while under the not-so-watchful eye of federal law enforcement, Epstein was murdered. But let's get back to Trump, because a lot of you have been sending me emails saying, Lars, you're going to talk about Epstein and the documents and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and the rest, but I know you're not going to mention Trump. Of course I'm going to mention Trump. And why? Because Donald Trump in those documents, that's exculpatory evidence it shows that Trump didn't do anything wrong. But let me give you the details, and then you'll understand. It doesn't take any real understanding to say, let's see, Bill Clinton is mentioned about 70 times in those documents. He flew on the airplane that Jeffrey Epstein and his friends used to refer to as the Lolita Express. If that doesn't give you a clear picture of what that airplane was all about, what went on on that airplane and why many of the people on that airplane were going off to Epstein's sex island. Yes, they called it sex island as well. But was Donald Trump implicated by that? Not at all. In fact, it said he never flew on the airplane, never got a massage. That was the code word they used for sex with girls, children, um, never got a massage. And I'll get into the details of that if you if you'd like. I think the reason the political left in this country is so concerned is that so many very, very influential people are named in those documents, including Bill Clinton mentioned 73 different times. And by the way, one of the witnesses in the case that was brought, the defamation lawsuit case that produced these documents, it was a defamation case brought by a young lady by the name of Virginia Jeffrey. She was one of the victims of Jeffrey Epstein and his madam or pimp, Ghislaine Maxwell, the only person in this case to actually get convicted. Epstein was convicted for some earlier crimes in Florida, but even in that case, he got very, very light treatment. But guess what's happened? A number 
a disturbing number of powerful and influential people among American elites uh, share the predilections of Jeffrey Epstein. And I think the politically powerful in this country are anxious to absolutely bury this information just as fast as they can. In fact, one of the reasons it's taken years for these documents to be made public, because ordinarily court documents, when I was a reporter, if you wanted to see the documents in a particular case, you went down to the courthouse, you walked into the file room in those days, now you can do it online, and you want to, you want to look at documents, there's piles and piles of them. So what would cause these documents to be the subject of court fights that went on for literally years? Because they name politically powerful people. And they also provide evidence. Well, one of the, my favorite quotes uh, from the documents was from a young la lady by the name of Schoberg. I believe I'm pronouncing her right, name right. S-J-O-B-E-R-G. In her testimony eight years ago, she recalled Epstein telling her that Bill Clinton likes him young in a reference to girls. Uh, in other words, Bill Clinton likes them young. Well, that wouldn't surprise anybody. Bill Clinton also likes to assault people, like he raped Juanita Broderick. Never indicted for rape, but I'm happy to call him an unindicted rapist of Juanita Broderick. He was. He molested Kathleen Willey in the Oval Office. And he said, no, Lars, you got that wrong. It was Lewinsky. Hey, I don't think that Bill Clinton confined his interests to just Monica Lewinsky. Kathleen Willey, who, who appealed to Bill Clinton because her husband was very, very sick at the time. She needed a job. And what did she get in the Oval Office? She got molested. And Clinton flew on Epstein's jet a total of 26 times that we know of. And he's mentioned prominently in these documents. So the people who love the Democrats and love the liberal left in this country, they want to divert you from this subject as much as they can. They say, look, there's Trump's name. Well, Trump got mentioned four times, along with testimony that he never flew on the airplane, that he never got a massage in quote marks. Um, that he never went to Sex Island, that he didn't go to Jeffrey Epstein's home, as so many celebrities did, like Bill Gates and others who would go to Jeffrey Epstein's home. And the fact is, let me quote um, the widow of the late Senator John McCain, Cindy McCain, and this is from almost four years ago now. At the time, in 2020, she said, quote, everybody knew what Epstein was doing and that law enforcement actually feared Epstein. Quote, Epstein was hiding in plain sight. We all knew about him. We all knew what he was doing, but we had no one, no legal aspect that would go after him. They were afraid of him. For whatever reason, they were afraid of him. Well, as you can imagine, with people like Prince Andrew being mentioned and even photographed with some of the girls that Jeffrey Epstein used and abused and committed sexual crimes against, can you imagine the kind of blackmail? I mean, people will often refer to the man who founded the FBI, Hoover, and they'll say, well, he had files on everybody. I think Hoover's files would have paled in comparison to what Jeffrey Epstein had. It sounds like he had dirt on so many powerful people. But let me get back to Trump, because I promised to all these naysayers who emailed me, yes, I will talk about Trump. Mentioned four times, never flew on the jet, never went to the island, never went to Jeffrey Epstein's homes, was not implicated in any way in the documents released yesterday and last night. But let me give you the second bottom line. Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump knew each other. Did Donald Trump know what Epstein was doing? Well, let me tell you what happened about a decade before Trump announced he would run for president in 2015. Donald Trump had a club, still does, Mar-a-Lago. 
It costs about $200,000 plus $20,000 a year to belong to that club. It's a very elite, very exclusive club. And Jeffrey Epstein bought his way into that club. And then one day, Donald Trump found out that Jeffrey Epstein had been, to put it politely, flirting with or even hitting on the 16-year-old daughter of one of the other members of the club. And Trump, Trump immediately went to his staff and said, kick that guy out. Now, when you're running an exclusive club and you're getting 200 grand for membership, you don't kick people out very easily or probably very lightly. He kicked Epstein out, and that was almost a decade before he announced for president. Donald Trump knew what Epstein was up to, and I think he knew what a lot of other Washington, D.C. elites were up to. And why do you think he signed that legislation about child trafficking and suggested the death penalty for people who violate it? Back in a moment, glad to get your calls. 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails. Talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our Twitter poll or X poll at Lars Larson Show. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. Navy. Gun control explained. Want to stop drunk drivers from killing sober drivers? Ban sober drivers. That's how gun control works. This is the Lars Larson Show. Makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, your body well right. You know you got a right to say. This is the Northwest nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the Daily Dead, fish wrapper, or mainstream media bias. In a sick sort of way, you have to admire the unmitigated gall of Democrat U.S. Senator Patty Murray. Lately, she brags about the two-thirds of a billion dollars she just scored for the latest failed project to replace the I-5 bridge over the Columbia River. The senator admits she spent one-third of a century and lots of her money on that goal without, by her own account, accomplishing one damn thing. The Vancouver Columbian quotes Patty Murray today saying, We always ate up all the money and never, never got anything done. Now that is true chutzpah. The last I-5 bridge project wasted $190 million and it died a decade ago. Now imagine telling your boss, in this case your boss is the voters, that you've always blown all the dough they gave you with nothing to show for it, so let's throw another $600 million down a hole. Promoters say they plan to start construction in 18 months, but they do admit they're missing just a few tiny pieces of the project. Number one, they don't have the money. Number two, they don't have the required sign-off from the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard has already signaled they're not going to give it. The new bridge has the same number of traffic lanes as the current bridge so guess what drivers congestion will continue and it includes two billion dollars for light rail with no riders oh and the price tag has gone up 50 percent in just a couple of years and backers are warning this week that sometime this summer you should expect that number to jump once again it's already five to seven and a half billion now they say it's going to be higher than that Murray hints that Afghanistan Joe Biden might even visit the bridge project. Now that is a sure sign of future failure. Our question of the day, 
I heard that they're building a new skate park. Now, they do this in a lot of cities around the Northwest. Why in the world is Portland spending $15 million on a new skate park when its existing parks have, and this is their own estimate, $600 million in deferred maintenance, meaning stuff that needs to be done that has not been done? They're like people who buy another car to put it up on blocks in their front yard. They never actually fix the old cars. They just go ahead and buy more of them. In this case, they say the reason we have to spend the $15 million on a brand new park, even though we have two-thirds of a billion dollars in deferred maintenance on our existing parks, is we're required to do so. I'll tell you what. Lawmakers, why don't you change the rules and tell the city of Portland and every other city in Oregon and in Washington, catch up with the maintenance on your existing parks. Until you do that, you don't build any new parks. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. In this case, I'm going to cite the work of the Daily Dead Fish Rapper, Oregon Live. Over two years of the COVID-19 pandemic, Oregon Housing and Community Services has shoveled out $426 million in emergency rent assistance, providing aid to thousands of Oregonians who are behind on their payments or facing eviction. Even though, as you understand, eviction was actually banned for a time. So if you're not going to be evicted, why do we need to give you the rent money? But an audit released Thursday, this is from the Fish Rapper, by the Oregon Secretary of State's office says the agency's handling of the emergency rent assistance program was full of flaws, chief among them a failure to track the money and make sure the funds went to, get this, eligible landlords and tenants. In other words, you shoveled out $426 million, you can't tell us who you gave it to or that the people you gave it to were even legally entitled to get it? I mean, that's failure on a massive scale. I mean, even Jay Inslee only lost $600 million to Nigerian scam artists during the pandemic from that unemployment fund. Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. Cody Mann writes in, Lars, I've heard you speak in favor of and encourage civil disobedience when it benefits your views and speak against it when it's the actions of those on the other side. Actually, that's not true, and I'll correct that. Furthermore, I've heard you endorse the use of violence to disrupt civil disobedience when it suits your politics. You've decried it when the other side does the same. Given your take on double standards, I can't help but notice the difference. That's weird. Best regards, Cody Mann. Well, Cody, i got to tell you something. I've always told people, I don't engage in civil disobedience myself, but I would do it if given the right circumstances. But I've always told people, I don't care if you engage in civil disobedience. Go ahead. We threw, or Americans threw, uh, tea into the harbor in Boston to protest what Great Britain was doing with taxes. But I've always warned people, if you engage in civil disobedience, you may be getting, you may get a trespass ticket. You may get a trip in the backseat of a police car. You may end up spending a little bit of time in custody. You may have to stand in front of a judge and explain why you did the stupid thing you did and even pay a fine or maybe even spend a little bit of time in custody. But I've always encouraged civil disobedience with the caveat that you've got to take the penalty that comes with whatever it is that you did that was civil disobedience. And I haven't chosen between things I agree with and things I don't agree with, saying, well, I agree with civil disobedience here, but not there. Secondly, when you say I've endorsed the use of violence, if what you mean is 
I've encouraged police agencies to go out and arrest people who are doing things that are illegal. For example, Portland police could have arrested a bunch of the people, the pro-Hamas terrorism Palestinian protesters who blocked one of the major arterials that leads to Portland International Airport. You know what I heard from PPB? Their paid spokesman, who, by the way, has never been a cop, he's a former TV reporter, he wrote back and said, that's not in our jurisdiction. I said, airport way that goes to Portland International is not in the jurisdiction of the Portland Police Department? That seems kind of strange. He actually argued that point, and I said, you could have gone out. Those people were breaking the law. He says, that's the Port of Portland's problem. Well, I'm going to reach out to the Port of Portland and see what they have to say. To your calls now. And by the way, welcome to Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, it's 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Naysayers go to the head of the line. Our ex-poll today, if Biden won't stop the illegal alien invasion, should Republicans on Capitol Hill shut the government down? I would answer that one, yes. It's brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Now to Matt in Medford, listening on the Radio Northwest Network and KMED. Matt, what's on your mind? Lars, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, I told your screener this too. I want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. Now, as you, he he committed some pretty serious uh, sex crimes, and if he, he, as you know, I think he committed suicide in uh, jail. But if he, he would have lived, he would have got the. He, what, what's that? He was murdered. Oh, he was murdered. Well, if he would have lived, he would have been. They would have. They would have really sucked it to him. He probably would have got thirty years in uh, in the state. I, if he were convicted, yes, I think he would have, and he richly deserved it. That's the only point you wanted to make. If he had lived, well, he would have been. Well, well, that, well, that, and also, yeah. I mean, we, well, we, you no, know, and I want to make some other points too. We ought to, we we'll ought to do away with let was pedophiles and sex offenders. We ought to, we ought to nail them because people like that that prey on innocent kids and women have no, have I have well, no tolerance. Well, if for you believe that, Matt, you should be voting for Donald Trump, who passed some significant legislation, signed some significant legislation on sex traffickers. Whereas Joe Biden, I could show you a thousand pictures of Joe Biden nuzzling up the small children. He's a disgusting pervert himself. He should not be in the Oval Office. You've got the Lars Larson show. The Lars Larson Show. I know y'all think it takes balls to be singing what I'm singing, but I'm just singing what you're thinking. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your calls, and I'll get back to those shortly. But I want to introduce to you a young lady, Teresa Smith, who is a grandmother, and her grandson was grievously wounded in an incident in which his eye was basically shot out. Now, the weapon in this case was a BB gun, but I don't think that matters when you lose your eye or may lose your eye. Ms. Smith, thanks for coming on. Hi. Um, my 16-year-old grandson was shot on November 11th by a 15-year-old neighborhood kid who had a loaded gun or the BB gun concealed in his waist. He came over to their, my grandson's house, stole a vape pen, and when the 16-year-old Tristan uh, confronted him about it. He pulled out the gun and shot him five times. 
There is a video of the incident. There was no fighting or yelling or altercation before the shooting. He shot him in the left eye, the side of the head, the, on the right side when he turned his head um, that had to be surgically removed. He shot him twice in the arm and once in the back when he was running away. Um, this is really hard to talk about. So I'm I understand sorry. it is. I'm and Teresa, I appreciate um, you doing that. Teresa, can you tell me this? What's happened to the young man who shot your grandson with the BB gun? Because you told me he, he was, ended up with a... Go ahead. He was in detention until December 8th when they went to court. He pleaded guilty to assault two charges and was released on probation to his parents. So, so my grandson is completely... Yep. And my grandson's completely lost his vision in his left eye. And it may die. The eye may die. They... They... It's not looking good. So he I've cannot seen a, seen see. He picture. has no vision at all. Did the yes. prosecutors tell you or, or your grandson's family why this six, this this uh, 15-year-old who, who shot him in the eye and confessed to it, admitted to it, pleaded guilty to it, why he didn't get more punishment than that? They said that it was his first charge. Oh, it was the first time he had shot somebody's eye out. Well, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't At, it, Teresa? From three to four feet away, it was concealed. He ran after he did the shooting. He ran. Um, he pleaded guilty. Um, it's... I. I and I'm looking at the message it sent to my grandson because right now the bullet that went in the eye is still in his head. It is iron. It may rust, but it's so close to the brain right now that they cannot do surgery on it. It would be brain surgery, and it could cause brain damage. Have the doctors told you what his long-term prospects are with that piece of metal still in his head? At this point, they're choosing not to take the BB out. He is working with OHSU in Portland, which is where they took him, and he was there for about a week. They um, and they they're choosing to leave it there and monitor it, um, and then his vision and his eye will not come back. There's no way, and the eye. They're monitoring it now only just to see if it will die, and they need to remove it. By the way, I've put up the GoFundMe link on our website. Are you satisfied with that? Is that justice for somebody who did this sort of thing to your grandson? Absolutely not. I mean, what? He's in a neighborhood walking around with a loaded gun. He was ready to use it, and he stole, knowing it's almost like, okay, I'm going to go steal See if they catch me, and then I'm going to shoot him if he does. Does at least the, is he still in school uh, with? And, and is he in school with your grandson? Um, no, he is not. I'm not sure what the school situation is, but no, he is not going to the same school. I got to tell you this, Teresa. This is one of those things. One of the reasons. I mean, it's a compelling story in any case. But a number of years ago. Uh, we pointed out on the show that Democrats had, had said we want to get rid of ballot measure 11 for, for juveniles, for those under the age of 18. And they did. 
because a crime like that might have seen uh, the 16-year-old, uh, you know, tried in adult court for what I think is an adult crime, doing permanent damage to somebody else, man, man or woman, young or old. And yet they took that out. And so when he gets to, I think, age 26, they're going to wipe all record that he was ever convicted of anything. Uh, and that means... So that is my concern. It's like, so if you look up his record, you will never know that he pulled a gun and shot somebody within three to four feet of him five times. And you will never know. And by the way, he shot your grandson once face to face, but then shot him as your grandson ran away? Yes, in the back. There is one in his left eye. He turned his head. They shot him. He shot him on the right side of the head. That bullet had to be surgically removed. He shot him twice in the arm and in his back as he was running away. And he gets probation. Do you know for how long? No, that I don't know. I'm, I'm just, just so. I, I want as many details yeah. as I can in front of people. This this is abs This is the kind of lunacy that I have to I have to make this partisan because the uh, the Democrats in Salem said we don't want juveniles, teenagers who do this kind of he thing. He was 15. He knew what he was doing. He brought it, hid it. He had it hidden. He concealed it. He stole. He shot. I just how he knowingly did all this. How can this not be just a, a juvenile? It's not like it was a kid that accidentally shot a gun. He knowingly did it and admitted that he knowingly harmed somebody. By and now he's out there. And, and one the of the concerns too. I've got, Teresa, is that someday, depending on what kind of job he ends up doing as an adult, he can walk in and if they say, have you ever been convicted of a crime? Because they took, they kept him in the juvenile system, he'll be able to say, I've never been convicted of a crime. And technically, legally, he'll be telling the truth. And he can have your daughter as his girlfriend, and you'll never know. Or he can work in a daycare, or he can work in a, you know, he can work in any of these professions that puts him in contact with children or with adults, with in other situations where you might say a background of shooting somebody in the face, we don't want you working here. There won't be any record, and because because there was no record, because uh, you know this was kept very quiet, um, it means that uh, that uh, nobody will be even be able to look it up on the internet because because oh, the story you can't won't, there find won't be a story. anything. You won't find anything online right now. Well, I I would up. hope. While I'm not the biggest fan of lawsuits, Teresa, and I've always tried to live my life that way. I would hope there's a civil lawsuit to try to compensate your son for, for the loss of an eye for the rest of his, or your grandson for the loss of a, an eye for the rest of his life. Is that being contemplated? Yes. Good. It is, definitely. So, Have his parents had anything meantime, to say to your grandson? Um, they just said they were sorry at court. The, <laughs> the kid that shot him didn't say he was sorry, but the parents said they were sorry. Nice. Teresa, we'll stay in touch with you, and you stay in touch with us and let us know where this goes from here. Teresa Smith, the grandmother whose grandson shot in the face, shot five times, a BB gun, yes. But as you understand, is it a toy? 
Well, I guess it is until it puts your eye out and leaves a piece of metal in your brain that even the doctors can't remove. And then the judicial system says a month of detention and probation for a time, and then your white record is wiped clean. Anybody think that's the right way for it to go? Because your representatives in Salem said it is. Back in a moment, you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. He's staring at your... He may talk about serious issues, but even Lars has a sense of humor. I have a joke for you. The government in this town is excellent and uses your tax dollars efficiently. <laughs> this is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. And by the way, a number of you have asked me what was the ethnicity or race of the young man who shot the teenager who shot the boy's eye out. Uh, I didn't ask. It didn't seem to be an issue. And uh, Teresa had not brought it up as an issue. It doesn't sound like the disagreement was about race or anything like that. Uh, so I'm just not going to go there at that, at that point. If it were part of the story, if it was relevant to the story, I'd have asked. Our ex-poll today, if Biden won't stop the illegal alien invasion, should Republicans shut the government down? As you may know, 60 House Republicans went to our southern border. Democrats didn't go, but Republicans went. Joe Biden won't go. His vice president won't go. But 60 Republicans went to the southern border and they said, hey, no more money for this bureaucracy of Joe Biden's government until they brought this border under control. That's what Andy Biggs of Arizona says. Shut the border down or we shut the government down. If Biden won't stop the invasion, should Republicans shut down the government? My answer would be yes. Today's Twitter poll is or X poll is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Now, I got an email from Andrea. Lars uh, I was just listening to you talk to the grandmother of the teenage boy shot and lost his eye from a BB gun. I'm curious to have more information on this and where it happened. The reason I ask is because my eight-year-old son and his friend had a teenager randomly pull a BB gun on them and fortunately didn't pull the trigger, was very aggressive about it. Police report was filed in Clackamas County, but the cops never did come out. They said if it escalates more, call them up. I guess if you lose an eye, then the police will respond. You know, the police are not doing themselves any favor with the public. You know, we, a lot of us oppose the idea of defund the police. But when the police say, hey, sorry, we can't help you out with that. And then I got a kind of a profane one from Dan, who I don't think is his real name, in Reelsville. He says, Lars, speaking of lunacy, why the blank didn't you call out that old, and then he uses a bunch of words about uh, Teresa Smith that I'm not going to use on the air, for calling a BB gun a gun. I said, well, a BB gun is a gun. In fact, in a lot of cities in the Northwest, uh, you can't fire a gun within the city limits, and that includes pellet rifles and BB guns as well. And if you didn't want me to call it a BB gun, did you want me to use one of those woke things or, well, you know, the, the, the kind of terminology that the politically correct class uses, like a pellet thrower or a pellet throwing device? I'm not going to do that. A BB gun is a BB gun. It's a perfectly common term of, of use. And uh, the fact is, this young teenager who shot the boy, took his eye out, and gets a month of detention and a bit of probation and his record wiped when he turns 26? That's just out of lines. Uh, out of line. Let's go to Sam. Hey, Sam, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Hi. 
Hi, Lars. This is the first time I've ever called. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and um, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I would appreciate some transparency from the government. You know, I remember when the president first came to power, he made a big deal about signing 40-some-odd executive orders on day one. Yep. Um, I don't know what any of them are except for the one that closed down the uh, Keystone Pipeline. Have you gone to um, the White House website? Because presidents routinely post all their executive orders there. A lot of reporters write stories, extensive stories on the, some of the executive orders are kind of boring. I mean, they're about housekeeping details, but some of them, like what Biden did, they're available. Have you even bothered to look for them? You know, Lars, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm being a little bit lazy here. <laughs> well, okay. I'll tell you what. All you got to do is go to the White House website, find the executive orders. They're listed there. There are other sources for them as well, and I wish you well. Let's go to Mike. Hey, Mike, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, uh, first-time caller here. Been Thank listening you. to you ever since the defecation hit the oscillation in 2019 <laughs> to 2020. Hey, thanks for keeping um, it clean on the radio. The FCC approves, I too. Did, I did that just for you, buddy. Thank um, you. So what I'm calling about is with these flight logs that came out in uh, Dershowitz being on there uh, allegedly 137 times, can we connect that to the Harvard office that Epstein had? Because it seems like there's some... A big relationship there and I know we've always been questioning how did this guy get an office at Harvard I wondered the same thing Mike and uh, I, I don't know I don't know how I think the better example of where he got some favorable treatment was in Florida in the first time he was convicted of obtaining sex from a child you know the guy's a convicted pervert Epstein and you wonder what happened? And the Florida cops were all over it. The local police were. They handed it off to the prosecutor's office. They handed it off to the U.S. attorney's office. And then the case got pled down to almost nothing. And nobody has ever been able to give an explanation other than that Epstein was so politically connected that he was able to avoid any kind of serious consequences for what he did. So I'm, sh I'm sure his his somehow he has connections to the rich and powerful we know he's connected to the rich and power was he's dead murdered but uh, but how and what those connections are and how he was able to escape he actually was telling his lawyers a day or two before he allegedly committed suicide that he was confident he was going to beat the charges that he was being held in custody on and maybe he would have i mean maybe this guy had the kind of pull and as they say knew where the bodies were buried or had pictures of prominent people uh, with children having sex, and and that's not entirely unbelievable. Jeffrey Epstein had sex with children. He had a lot of powerful friends, including Bill Clinton, who flew on his Lolita Express 26 different times, went to Sex Island, all these other things that he did. If he had those kind of connections, would it really be that big a surprise that he beat the charges? And it suggests just how sick and perverted an awful lot of our government and the powerful people in it truly are. Mike, thanks for the call. You got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. And now. Then we're going to 
kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get your calls. It is Conspiracy Theory Thursday, and I want to get some of the emails and some of the phone calls as well. And I'm getting a lot of interest about an interview that I did with a young lady. She's a grandmother, and her grandson was shot in the face by another kid. No no provocation there. Uh, uh, th nothing that would have justified shooting somebody in the face. Now, it happened to be a BB gun instead of a conventional firearm, but it took the young boy's eye out. In fact, the, the doctors that have been working on him, this happened last fall, uh, are not convinced that he'll even keep the eyeball itself. The eye may literally, as the doctors apparently said, die. And at that point, they'll have to remove the eye from his head. And what does the kid who shot him in the face get? He gets a month in detention and some probation. And then uh, when he reaches uh, his 20s, he'll have his entire record wiped out. And there will be no legal record that says he was ever convicted of a crime. He pleaded guilty already. Uh, apparently, they worked a deal. And uh, sometimes I agree with plea deals, sometimes I do not. But in any case, I want to get to your calls. I want to get to some of the emails about that as well. And I'm glad to take your calls as well, especially on a Conspiracy Theory Thursday. So if you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. And, of course, naysayers go to the head of the line. Always have, always will on this program. And if you want to vote in our X poll, uh, used to be called Twitter, now it's called X, uh, at Lars Larson Show is the location. If Joe Biden won't stop the illegal alien invasion, should Republicans shut down the government? I would answer yes to that. There are Republicans, like Andy Biggs of Arizona, who have already said shut the border down or shut the government down, one or the other. Joe Biden has not seen fit to actually gain control of the border. We have literally millions of illegal aliens flooding into America. In the month of December alone, the most recent month for which we have numbers, 303,000 illegal aliens that the Border Patrol knows about. Those are the ones they encountered. That doesn't count the gotaways. It also doesn't count all the illegal aliens that they have good reason to believe crossed and were never seen by the Border Patrol. But at least 303,000 on an annual basis, that'd be three and a half million illegal aliens in 2024, this year. On top of the nine million who've already come in under Joe Biden, and Joe Biden doesn't seem willing to change his tune. And you've got the Congress that's already said we're moving forward with impeachment of the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, Mayorkas is saying, oh, no, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, we've got it under control. And he calls the border situation broken. In any case, I want to get to your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Let's go first to Adam. Hey, Adam, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, thanks, Lars, and thanks for what you do. So, hey, this Epstein list, and forgive me if you've answered this already because yeah. I've missed a few minutes of your show so what that these people were on this flight? Let's take Bill Clinton, for instance, 70-some-odd times on this flight. He just has to get up and say, okay, I didn't have relations with anybody. I mean, he did it 30 years ago when they had proof <laughs> that he did it back then. Right? He, could give this, so, he could shake his finger at Americans and say, I did not have sex with any of Jeffrey Epstein's I did not have relations children. with that woman. I did right. not have sex. So, so why? What are, what's the big hubbub about this list? I mean public shame or, or what these these people don't have shame you know they don't care about that it no. seems like it can only hurt people like trump 
It, no, but it doesn't hurt Trump. Be I mean, the, guess the, the point I was trying to make about Trump being on the list was this. He is mentioned four times, but the mentions come down to, did he ever get, and they use this code word, massage. Uh, the, apparently Epstein would tell his madam, sure. Elaine Maxwell, make sure that so-and-so gets a massage. And they meant it in quote marks like, okay, that's sex. Except they weren't using the word sex, they'd call it a massage. And he didn't get one of those according to the young women who were part of Jeffrey Epstein's gigantic number of victims. So that's one thing. Second thing, was he ever on the airplane? No. And that's part of what was said in the documents that were released. What Did he ever go to Sex Island, this island that he owned, uh, that Epstein owned? Oh, I and thought the answer had, is I, no. I thought, I thought he was on there technically flying to Florida. That's not accurate? Well... He okay. never went to the island, but he's on the list. I'm just saying the he's, left. He's on the list as having flown on the plane. Oh, and, no, and I think one of the mentions, and I will tell you this because I spent a lot of hours reading this stuff last night. There's not, and I won't say I read all 950 pages. Uh, I'm sure. old enough that I don't have that many hours, even if I stayed up all night. But one was a mention that was there because Epstein said, oh, for whatever reason, weather or something else, they couldn't land at one airport in the New York area. He said, fine, we'll land at so-and-so and we'll go to Trump's club and stay there because he was still a member of Trump's, uh, you know, a bunch of, of golf clubs before Trump kicked him out. And I thought that was an important point, too. People forget. They say Epstein knew Trump. Yes, true. Epstein was a member of Trump's club. True. And then the day came about a decade before Trump came down that escalator and announced he was running for president where he Trump found out that Epstein had been uh, you could use a lot of terminology for it, putting the moves on a 16 year old girl who was the daughter of one of the members of the club. And uh, and Trump found out about it from his staff. They came to him and said, hey, Epst this Epstein creep is put is is uh, you could call it flirting. You call it, uh, you know, hitting on whatever you want to call it. He was he was trying to, you know, flirt with a 16 year old girl and Trump said, kick him out. And the reason I made the point right. about the cost of the club is when you pay two hundred thousand dollars to belong to a club and then twenty thousand a year. If the club kicks you out, you're likely to be able to sell your membership. He wanted him out of there, even if it cost him money. And so and, and the people who will tell you Epstein was a member of Trump's club. They want to make the connection to Trump. But it's actually a positive story because the minute Trump found out that Epstein was even doing something like hitting on a 16-year-old girl, by itself, disgusting and tawdry behavior, but not illegal. He wasn't having sex with her. He was hitting on her. But he said, I won't have somebody here who's behaving like that, kicked him out immediately. And people forget that liberals and the Democrats forget to mention that. Well, that's, I guess, that's my, getting back to the crux of my question is, is in my view, from my non-legal stance, nothing's going to happen to these people because they're not. So they took a flight on the plane and say, again, 70 sometimes to Lolita Island, we know what happened, you know, but, but they're not going to prove anything. These people aren't going to get in trouble no, in any way, shape, or but form. I, I guess they're at the end of the day, so they can Adam, throw Trump's name at, in there. at the end of the day, if the least, if at least you can identify them as having been perverts, even if they'll never be convicted, okay. never, Never have anything happen to them legally. But if you say, we're going to call you out as what you are, and if that that keeps you out of political office or it keeps you from, or, or if people, I mean, recently we've seen Harvard, you know, with its behavior, a bunch of big companies said, we're not hiring any student that comes out of that place. Now, that's part okay. of what public shaming does, is sometimes people will say, 
I want nothing to do with that person. Oh, okay. Tina, okay. Tina so, and yeah. I have done right. that. Well, we, had a, that we, we had a person who was a friend of ours who ended up going to prison, and we knew nothing about his crimes. They were financial crimes. But we said, look, you know, if you're going to be involved in that kind of stuff, we don't want anything to do with you whatsoever. And at least it could have that effect. Adam, thanks for the call. Glad to get your calls and glad to have you listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. More valuable information at avma.org. Ever wonder what a vegan actually is? They say cows are bad for the environment because all they do is eat plants and fart, just like vegans. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and your emails. I want to ask you this. Should your taxpayer-funded libraries in your community, should they be stocking children's books? And in this case, we're not talking about LGBTQ. No, no, the librarians have already done a job on your kids with that. But should they be stocking children's books that called for intifada, that's fighting, the Muslims uh, deciding to make war on somebody else because of one grievance they've got or another, and erasing the state of Israel literally from the map? Would you be in favor of that? Well, it turns out it's being done, and uh, the group that's advocating for it is one we're very familiar with. Let me tell you about that in just a moment. First, if you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here every day, even on Conspiracy Theory Thursday at uh, 866-HEY-LARS. And if you want to call in and you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Get this, there is a front group for the Hamas terrorists in uh, in the Middle East. Uh, Hamas is the terrorist group that carried out the October 7th attack on Israel, the ones that murdered and raped and beheaded and burned babies and a lot of other absolutely horrific things. Well, their front group, their PR agency in America is known as CARE. The Council on American Islamic Relations. I've talked to the uh, I've talked to people in gr the group Care, including Ibrahim Hooper, who was once its front man. Well, guess what they're doing now? This anti-Israel group Care, who actually the founder of the group said that he was happy to see the Hamas attack on Israel, is now asking American local libraries to put children's books on the shelf that push propaganda against the very existence of the state of Israel, including one that says all of Israel belongs to Palestine. As uh, one wag pointed out, Palestine, the only country that didn't exist until it was occupied. Now, if you can imagine what's going on there, because Palestine uh, allegedly came into existence in 1965. It doesn't have any borders. It doesn't have a president, doesn't have a prime minister, doesn't have any of those things, but they claim that it exists. And if you talk to people who talk about Palestine, you say, where is it? Where is its capital city? Uh, who governs it? Well, right now, who governs it is Hamas. The Council on American Islamic Relations, in late December, right about Christmas time, released its toolkit 
for Palestine Beyond Borders, which is quoted as saying, encouraging libraries and bookstores, this is in the United States, to feature book displays on Palestine and foster a deeper appreciation for the multifaceted aspects of Palestinian history. Now, what's inside of this toolkit? The Washington Free Beacon says that inside that toolkit are about a dozen different children's books, one of which calls on kids to unlock all the truths about Palestine and educate everybody about its true history. There's one book in there called Baba, What Does My Name Mean? I think Baba is grandmother. Takes a fictional child on a journey to Palestine, and it even shows a map of what Palestine is. And you know what's funny about the map? funny in a bad way, is that uh, the map does not show Israel at all. All of the land that is currently the state of Israel has been since 1948 is occupied by this thing called Palestine that has never actually existed as a country. The map shows Tel Aviv and Haifa and other Israeli cities as part of Palestine. And the capital of the city they call Al-Quds, which is an Arabic name for Jerusalem. The book then ends by stating that through resistance and perseverance, Palestinians will one day be free. Now, I plan to check with the, uh, you know, the libraries in my neck of the woods and say, hey, are you putting this book on the shelves? And if you are, what is it that you expect that kids are going to get out of being told that a country that currently exists should be replaced by a country that has never existed? and that the state of Israel has no right to exist at all. Another book is called P is for Palestine, which promotes Palestinian intifada, which it says is Arabic for rising up for what is right if you're a kid or a grown-up. Another one of the books on the care list, Zayn and Mima, Stand for Palestine depicts two young children who are encouraged to protest against Israeli apartheid and call for a free, free Palestine. Now, this group, CARE, is the group that speaks out on behalf of the Hamas terrorists. So they'll carry out an act of terrorism. They say, wow, we were glad to see that happen. Can you imagine that kind of thing being in the library at your kid's school or in your local community library? And by the way, since most libraries in most places in America are taxpayer funded, I think all of us have something to say about what kind of political messages are being pushed. And frankly, I told people before, when I was a kid, my mom had died when I was just 10. Uh, my dad was a, an alcoholic, full-blown full alcoholic. And so I spent an awful lot of my time in both the school library and the public library. The librarians were my friends. Today's librarians are nothing like that. Today's librarians have political agendas. They want to push uh, drag queen story hour for small children with all the implications that brings. Uh, they want to stock books like this, or some of them will stock books like this, to push political agendas, including LGBTQ and DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which basically teaches kids that your future and your capabilities are determined by your skin color. I mean, it's the kind of idea that should have gone out with the Klan and cross-burning in the southern part of the United States decades and decades ago. Instead, today, we're seeing a modern version of it that says, yep, you're defined by your skin color. If you happen to have black or brown skin, then you are incapable of doing much of anything on your own because you are the subject of race, a racist system that is engineered against you. And if you have white skin, you're part of the oppressor class. In other words, you can be a bad guy or a good guy, bad girl or good girl, based on what your skin color is. You are defined by that. And these are the kind of toxic ideas that are being pushed with your money, 
in your local libraries. And I just wanted to give you a fair warning about it. It'd be worth, and in fact, if anybody wants the links to this report from the Washington Free Beacon about CARE, because I went, I looked at the CARE website, and sure enough, there in late December, they have the Palestine Beyond Borders Toolkit that calls for erasing an entire country and presumably all the people who live within that country, since it is currently a Jewish state, although it has about two million Arab people living in Israel as citizens with all rights allowed to them. Uh, so it's not an apartheid state at all. And they've decided to defend their borders, which is also the right of the United States, although these days Joe Biden is not exactly doing a bang-up job of defending our southern border or our northern border or any other kind of border. But the fact is... We, we've got a situation here where there are forces going on and they're going to use your resources. They're going to use your local schools. They're going to use your local libraries and they're going to push messages on your kids that you, that they don't even understand. Uh, for example, when you hear people chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. If you ask most of those people, which river are you talking about? Well, it's a river I'm very familiar with. I've been there. I've seen it. Uh, I've, I've put my feet in it. It's, it's a river. It's the river where Jesus Christ was baptized. It is, uh, it is right there. But if you take from the river to the sea, what you're talking about is erasing an entire country and all the people who live within it. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. For more than a quarter century, we've always put naysayers to the head of the line. Haven't had any great naysayers yet today, but there's always time. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our Twitter poll. Speaking of borders, if Biden won't stop the invasion of illegal aliens, should Republicans shut the federal government down? I'd say yes. You can vote in it, too. You've got the Lars Larson the Show. The Lars Larson Show. Someone has a plan for illegal aliens. Back in the White House, I will terminate every open borders policy of the Biden administration and begin the largest deportation operation in American history. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you and always glad to take your calls. And I'm thrilled to welcome back one of our great friends of the program, Hans von Spakowski, senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation and an expert on elections. In fact, he literally wrote the book about American elections. Hans, welcome back and Happy New Year to you. Well, Happy New Year to you, and it looks like it's going to be a very, very busy New Year. Yeah, it does. And in fact, let's knock through a bunch of things, and I'll try to keep my question short. So we've got Colorado kicking Trump off the ballot, determining that he's guilty of insurrection without trial or anything else, Queen of Hearts style. You've got Maine, where they only held an administrative hearing, and then a reliable foot soldier for the Democrats said, okay, we're kicking Trump off the ballot here. And it sounds like the U.S. Supreme Court will, well, they've been asked to look at it, what do you expect to happen? Uh, they've been asked to take it up. They don't have to, but I just don't see how they can turn it down because they know that if they don't issue a decision, we could have literally electoral chaos because that would be the situation if you have uh, some states removing him from the ballot, like Colorado and Maine. California is now considering it and other states saying, no, he will remain on the ballot. It, it would be unprecedented for that situation to exist 
in a presidential election. I just don't see how they can turn it down. No, I don't either because because it would leave us in a real uh, in a real spot because there are I think 16 different lawsuits. I I may be a bit off right. on that in different states to kick him off the ballot. And what does it say when a state is telling its citizens not just we're kicking Trump off, but we're not going to let you vote for him. I guess some of them have even said, even if you write him in, we're not going to count the votes. So there, th this is the kind of thing I thought we'd see mostly in banana republics or communist countries. No, you're not allowed to vote for that candidate. Well, in fact, um, we have uh, sanctioned other countries, including, for example, Venezuela, for that exact behavior, and yet we have it occurring here. By the way, with Maine, just with Maine and Colorado alone, this would disenfranchise almost 6 million registered voters, telling them that they don't get to decide who the candidate should be uh, for uh, president. And should we presume that if, or assume that if Colorado may knock him off the primary ballot, they'll do the same in the general election, or can they? Uh, oh, yeah. No, they will do the same in, in uh, the general election, uh, and that's why this is such a problem that the Supreme Court needs to take up. The, the petition asking the Supreme Court to review this was filed uh, just yesterday by um, uh, the Trump campaign, although actually last week the Colorado Republican Party also filed a petition asking the Supreme Court to take up the case. Now, what about the idea that in Colorado, a, uh, the courts, because you, you deal a lot with these questions because that's where your expertise lies, how can the courts determine that we're taking you off the ballot because you're guilty of insurrection when there's been no trial, no due process, no, no none of that. And, and when, I pointed out to my audience, the only time he's been formally accused of insurrection was in the impeachment, which is not a criminal matter, but then it goes to the Senate and he's acquitted. The Biden DOJ decided not to charge him with insurrection. The FBI said we didn't find evidence that he was involved in insurrection. So how can a court you know, especially a Supreme Court in a state, simply say, we've determined he's guilty of this. We don't have, have any need to have a hearing or witnesses or anything else. We'll just determine it on our own. Well, you point out the severe problems with what they did, and what you basically get, got was a partisan decision that ignores the Constitution and the law. Uh, don't forget, this was a four to three decision. And in fact, uh, one of the dissenting judges raised that very issue that, um, you know, Donald Trump didn't have any of the constitutionally required substantive due process rights that you get when, when you're criminally charged. And that's just one of the major mistakes and errors that the Colorado court made. Well, does it change things, Hans? Because putting you on the ballot or not, I think that's a civil issue. But you charge you with insurrection. Insurrection is a crime, correct? Correct. It, it, it is. And no one should be found guilty of that, certainly not in a civil election case, without uh, all of the substantive due process rights you have, which is things like the ability to pr provide defense witnesses, the ability to cross-examine witnesses brought by a prosecution. None of that was given. In fact, they, they took... They took the findings of the January 6th committee, which, as you know, was a one-sided, very partisan investigation. They, they took that as gospel, that everything in that report is true, and therefore that they could find him guilty of insurrection.
A committee that, for the first time in American congressional history, uh, the Democrats said, we'll choose our members and we'll choose your members as well. And to the Republicans, you have no right to choose your members. I mean, I've wondered, and I want your view on this, this is less of a legal or statistical question, but I'm told that voter interest, especially among American young people, is down dramatically. Is it down in part because people are looking at the system saying this is so gamed and rigged uh, that, that why would I bother voting And when, when all of this stuff is going on to tell people this is who you're allowed to vote for, you aren't allowed to vote for that guy, and, uh, and so why take part? Because it seems the Biden administration and all of its allies out there have decided to really drive down people's faith in elections. Oh no, that is a that is a very big factor. Look, I, I've been working on studying elections for a long time, and uh, all the scholars in this area will tell you that one of the key essentials to turnout, to voters getting out to vote, is public confidence in the fairness, honesty, and integrity of election process. And these kind of actions, I mean, listen for three years, right? Democrats have been talking about oh, election interference. Uh, this is election interference of the worst kind. So what what other legal maneuvers do you see in the in the, say, 10 months ahead? Because they charged him in four different criminal cases. Those don't appear to be going well. And I'd love your assessment of those. Um, and they thought that'll do the trick. They, they tried impeaching him. That didn't work. Uh, to block him from the ballot or block him from running. They've gone after him four different times in four criminal cases. That hasn't worked. This doesn't appear to be working. And when it went in it, the Supreme Court slaps it down and says you can't do it, then that, I assume that kills all of the other lawsuits in other states to take him off the ballot. Where, where do they go next? Well, they might actually have to face him in an election, which is what they clearly... Uh, don't want to do. And they do have problems in these other uh, cases, uh, particularly, for example, um, the criminal case filed by Jack Smith, the special counsel, as you know, just before Christmas, um, he tried to convince the Supreme Court to take up the case immediately, skipping the whole appeals process on the question of presidential immunity. And the Supreme Court slapped him down and said, no, we're not going to do that. So his trial that, that that he wants Smith wants to have occurring in March, in the middle of the primary season, that's not going to happen because Trump now has the ability to appeal the issue of presidential immunity up through the entire uh, court of appeals process. See, I don't even understand how they do that because Hans, you're a lawyer, I'm not. But you have to have a record. Appeals courts decide on the lower court record. How do you appeal something right. straight, to the, straight to the Supreme Court when they have no basis on which to decide it? Well, in fact, that's why I'm sure the court uh, said, no, we're not taking the case. That That was frankly, something extraordinary for Jack Smith to be asking for. And by the way, the, the petition that he filed, the Supreme Court kept saying, oh, it is so important, it is so important to the public that this uh, issue be decided uh, as soon as possible. He never explained why that was. Well, No, and he doesn't. That's Hans von Spakowski. Hans, thanks very much, and Happy New Year. Senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. We'll be back with your calls in a moment. 866-A-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. Well... 
message from Lars. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Who's next? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you and always glad to get your calls on a Conspiracy Theory Thursday. 866-HEY-LARS. Naysayers go to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. So far, I haven't had a naysayer on our X poll today. You can find it on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Lars Larson Show. If Joe Biden won't stop the illegal alien invasion, should Republicans shut down the government as they are threatening to do right now? My answer to that is yes. When the government won't behave, then you cut off the money flow. So you can vote in the Twitter poll or X poll. It's brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Let me go first to your calls. Uh, I want to go to uh, Tom in Tumwater, who apparently heard our conversation with a young lady, a grandmother, uh, whose grandson was shot in the face, lost his eye. A uh, kid shot him five times with a BB gun. The, uh, the teenager who shot him, uh, 16 years old, uh, was uh, pl pleaded guilty to the charge last fall and got one month in detention and a bit of probation, and he will have an absolutely clean record by his 20s. Tom, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Well, happy belated holidays to you and yours, Lars. And to, and to you and yours as well. Uh, there, that story reminded me of a day that happened to me. Um, I'll never forget it. Uh, January 23rd, 2016, at work, uh, right at lunchtime, running security in a parking lot at, at my work. Guy comes up to me. We had a discussion, and he shot me face with a paintball gun and it looked like a real gun yep and i put my hand to my face and i saw the yellow because i thought it, it looked like a gun and to make a long story short <clears throat> during the legal process and stuff the debate was what do you charge the guy third degree assault or second degree assault and my point was the thing looked like a gun and they it was an ongoing debate, and the point of my call is, according to that young man on the BB gun story, yeah. So he got he got off with it. The courts really determined they wanted third degree assault, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, punishment. No, and I don't. But but assault. I guess I'd ask you what should be the punishment when somebody shoots you, whether the gun is powered by uh, by gunpowder or powered by air. Uh, if somebody shoots you in the face and you suffer permanent, lasting damage, what should the penalty be? Their debate was what kind of weapon was used, or was it a weapon? They called it a paintball gun, a toy. Yeah, I understand, and that's trying to diminish the extent of that. I appreciate the call, Tom. Thanks for listening, and Tumwater on the Radio Northwest Network. Let's go to Doug. Hey, Doug, thanks for listening. What's on your mind? Thanks, Lars. Uh, first time listener, uh, retired veteran, Navy and Marine Corps, Vietnam. Thank you veteran. for that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, there's two gals up in Olympia that are trying to push through a bill. And I doubt if it's going to be brought before the people, Barry Walden and Elizabeth Berry, who want to, uh, uh, take and, and, uh, prohibit the use of, uh, gas powered lawnmowers and snow blowers, weed eaters, et cetera, chainsaws. Yep. We've talked about it and, on the show uh, extensively. Yeah, and I just wondered if anything's ever going to happen to that. I mean, I'm Yeah, it probably, you know what, Doug, given what uh, they've done in Olympia up till now, 
They are so friendly to these green policies saying we have to get rid of all gasoline-powered, diesel-powered equipment because the bill covers both. And it's string trimmers and mowers and blowers and everything else. Uh, given the given the current composition of the legislature in Olympia, I would expect they will probably try to move that bill through. And you can bet that Climate Jay Inslee will sign that bill into law if he gets the chance. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Horace. Hey, Horace, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind today? I had an interesting episode uh, many years ago, May 15, 1973. I was in the, I was being transported by two federal FBI agents to a hostage situation at the Portland Airport out on the, on the tanks. And they, the FBI drove me up to the Portland, Portland Airport and then the proceeded to have a discussion for 15 minutes with the Port of Portland Police over who had jurisdiction to take me on out to the situation. The and that kind of, port, are, you, are you, and you're comparing that, it sounds like, I did a commentary yesterday because you had a bunch of these pro-terrorism uh, protesters, so-called pro-Palestinian protesters, who blocked the access to Portland International Airport for several hours on Monday. Right. And the right. Portland police said, it's not our jurisdiction, it's the port's jurisdiction. And they're, they're getting down to that. Instead of being concerned about people being able to access an international airport, not to mention access for emergency services should somebody have needed an ambulance at the airport. Absolutely. And it was blocked. Absolutely. And and all the police agencies simply say, I'm sorry, that's not our jurisdiction. Let me get David on very quickly. David, welcome to the program. David Cross keeps an eye on illegal alien issues for us. David, what's on your mind? It's going to be quick. Lars, I got hit as a child by another kid in the eye and blinded me in my right eye. I want to encourage that grandmother to find a good attorney because the law enforcement will not do anything for this against this kid that injured this kid. And it'll keep that kid from earning a good living, competing in sports, military, law enforcement, police, fire. It'll diminish his life. And every time he goes in front of the mirror, he'll see that scar across his eye. And he deserves some kind of compensation that will last him for the rest of his life. David, it's a very good point. You got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? Right. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails. An awful lot of you have been sending me emails, talk at LarsLarson.com, saying, Lars, is Bob Ferguson trying to buy his way into the governor's office in Washington State using chicken checks? Now, I'll explain that to you if you're not already familiar with the idea that these checks have been showing up 
in people's uh, mailboxes, sometimes checks written to dead people. And they're coming from Bob Ferguson, who I think he wants to get all the credit for that cash rolling, rolling in. Well, the guy who's going to run against him, well, I'd like to see win as attorney general, because Ferguson's running for governor, uh, is Pete Serrano. Uh, Pete, welcome to the program, and congrats on, on going up against Bob, uh, going up for the attorney general's job. Is it possible that the Evergreen State could actually choose a real conservative as uh, the attorney general for a change? Yeah, Lars, thanks for having me on. And I do think that 2024 is a special year. There's a, a lot that's rolling in. And, you know, you've talked about on your show the crime that we're seeing, some of the issues that uh, the attorney general and the governor are bringing to the table. Um, I think it's really a ripe year for a real conservative like myself to come out and say, hey, look, I am a reasonable voice for Washington. I will stand for you. I will do what is best in your interest. And we may disagree on things, even a lot of things, but listen, tell me your problems. And as the attorney general, where I have the authority, I'll do my best to fix it. Well, and in fact, how much can the AG have a bearing on, on the things that are happening that seem very uh, ground level things like homelessness, drug use, uh, violent crime, all of these things? And, you know, a lot of us are frustrated. I'm frustrated as a Washington state resident that the police say we can't do our job. The prosecutors, in some cases, refuse to prosecute, which seems crazy to become a prosecutor and then say, but I'm going to be a prosecutor that doesn't prosecute. Um, how do we fix that from a from a position like attorney general? Well, one of the best parts about the attorney general's authority is he does have the authority to come in and assist on prosecutors now. If someone's not doing their job, I don't know that he can just jump right in. Typically, it's upon request, but by statute, he has the authority to jump in on prosecution. So what I would want to do is make sure that I can't just jump in and supersede. And if I can, well, absolutely, you know, but use see, that I, office. Pete, I'd love it if you'd supersede. I mean, if you took some of these jokers, and, and I wish Oregon had the same ability to do that, if you said, well, if King County isn't going to prosecute that person for assault or murder or rape or anything else, uh, then if you've declined to prosecute, I'm going to jump in. And and at that point, does the local prosecutor have, have anything to say if he said, I'm not going to prosecute? And they're not prosecuting a gigantic number of really serious crimes. Can the AG say, if you're not going to do it, we'll get it done? Well, he does, again, he has the authority to at least assist on certain matters. He can also do things by appointment of the governor. So obviously if Bob Ferguson were the wind governor's seat and I were attorney general, we wouldn't see an appointment there. But say you get a Dave Reichert or a Semi Bird in there and say, hey, look, King County's not prosecuting. I am now, by my gubernatorial or governor's authority, I'm appointing you as a special prosecutor you need to go down there, then it's, you know, that's on the governor. And that's between him and me to work through. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to pick up there. Hopefully there's an opportunity with, uh, you know, a U.S. attorney's office that if, if that's friendly at all, certainly working with them to make sure that any federal crime is absolutely investigated and prosecuted to the fullest extent. So, I mean, you know, when you look at the attorney general's office, uh, $700 million, 1,200 staff, Let's use that staff. Let's use those taxpayer resources to protect people like you and I and our significant others and our families, right? Yep, absolutely. I'm talking to Pete Serrano, who's running to replace Bob Ferguson, who's now decided he wants to be governor of Washington State. Pete, before I forget to do it, where can people find your website and help out your campaign? Serrano4ag.com. That's S 
E-R-R-A-N-O-F-O-R-A-G.com. I appreciate that. Any support, you know, I've gotten a lot of uh, folks saying, hey, we're glad you're stepping up. We're excited. People are donating the campaign. You know, we launched this a few days ago, and we're starting to raise money, and we're starting to have that groundswell of people just ready to do what they can to win back Washington, bring some common sense in, and bring, you know, quite frankly, safety back to Washington. We're a wonderful state with wonderful resources. Let's not waste it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to drag you into any real controversial stuff because I want you to be the attorney general. I don't want to put you in a spot, but I'm really curious. Are there any inventive ways the AG's office could be used? Because one of the most frequent complaints I get from people is they say, our state lawmakers and our state officials are breaking the law, wasting our money. I mean, some really serious um, kinds of complaints that have bones to them. For example, you know, when the state of Washington says, we're going to pass a carbon tax law, and they lie and say, well, it's only going to reduce, you know, increase the cost of gasoline a few pennies, literally. And now we know there, there's actual documents that show that Inslee knew it was going to be 40 or 50 cents a gallon, and it's worse than that already. Is there any way to use the AG's office to go after the, the, the misdeeds of people who are in public office? That's one example I could give you. Yeah, I think, you know, there are great ways to do that. Like one, we can do that in conjunction with local prosecutors. Again, there may be certain offices that won't be willing to work with us. But think about it this way, Lars. When you have people who are statewide affected, okay, so maybe King County doesn't want to prosecute the governor for lying, but maybe somewhere like my home in Franklin County they do, or across the river in Benton County, right? And so when you have these statewide impacts, there's an opportunity, again, the Attorney General has this authority to work as special uh, prosecutor units with local enforcement. And I assure you, when there are statewide issues, there's at least one or two prosecutors out there willing to say, hey, what the heck, you know, let's let's jump in and see what type of mud we can make with this. Um, you, you, certainly you just have to go to the, the may, maybe you got to go off to Republic Washington to find a kind of conservative <laughs> prosecutor who you can say, hey, will you go after these guys because... Pete, one of the things, I'm not a lawyer, but one of the things I've noticed is state government engages in the kind of behavior that would be criminal if private companies did it. And AGs go after them all the time for chicken or tuna or this or that. And then you get, you know, like this uh, Washington Cares program that I think is a complete fraud. If a private insurance company did it, they, they'd be coming to the attention of the AG. And yet when the state of Washington does it, they say, yeah, we're going to take all this money from all these people. And most of them aren't aren't eligible to even collect uh, from Washington Cares. That seems to me, when the state government does something that would be a criminal act, a fraud, if committed by a private company, there's got to be a way to go after that, isn't there? Yeah, you know, and, and we can look at the integrity of that. And then, you know, we've always had, up until recently, a Supreme Court that said uh, income taxes are unconstitutional. So, you know, changing that mantra would be helpful. Having an attorney general who could brief that up, brief up the history and get a team that says, hey, look, we are working for and on behalf of the people. We are going to fight for their rights. We are going to fight for their voice and making sure that when you, legislature or Supreme Court, make a ruling or issue a law, that it is constitutional, and we're not going to have any part of, you know, rolling back, say, your Second Amendment rights or something of that nature. Or Absolutely. That's Pete Serrano. It's Serrano 4AG, S-E-R-R-A-N-O, Serrano 4AG. It's a Conspiracy Theory Thursday, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network.
Musical message to anyone who wants to indoctrinate our school children. Hey, teacher, leave kids alone. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you with me. And if you want to join the conversation, it's 866 Hey Lars. In fact, I want to get to a naysayer here in just a moment. But I have a confession for you. After decades of telling people that I'm not pro choice, I'm pro life, it turns out that at least for one area, I'm pro choice after all. And no, I'm not talking about killing babies. That's the kind of pro-choice that Democrats talk about. I'm in favor of allowing Americans to cast ballots for the candidate of their choice. I want to have that kind of choice. The Democrat Party and its friends and its allies have decided to do everything they can to take that choice away from you. In other words, knock Donald Trump off the ballot anywhere they can get it done, any way they can get it done, and to heck with the Constitution and the law and everything else. Uh, I am for presidential candidate choice, and it turns out that unlike abortion, you can actually find that right in the Constitution of the United States. I'll give you a few more thoughts on that in just a moment, but I really want to go to our naysayer. Uh, naysayer Luke, welcome to the program. You know on this program, naysayers always go to the head of the line. What do you and I disagree about today that makes you a naysayer? Well, Lars, uh, it's, it's about immigration, and I used to kind of be against immigration, but I saw the pictures of all these young foreign national men that are coming into the country and I, I realized it's Biden administration, it's a brilliant plan, we're not going to have to fight overseas anymore, we're going to save a bundle of not having to ship material and ammunition, we'll be able to just fight here on our own shores and save all of the emissions <laughs> to boot, so it's, not only are we saving money, we're saving the environment by bringing all of those people and it'll allow older guys like you and me to kind of participate in, in whatever next war with Iran or Russia. I get so it that I, you're I doing it a bit tongue-in-cheek, saying we're letting all these fighting-age Chinese, uh, fighting-age males come into our country. So instead of having to fight them over in the Taiwan Straits or the Formosa Straits, we'll, uh, we'll fight them right here on our own soil, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, I, I think it's going to save money. And for those of us that don't like to leave home, we can get our fighting in you know, and be home for dinner in the evenings. It'll be great. Did you ever think that we'd arrive at this point where an American president would actually sponsor an, an invasion of his own country that now totals 9 million, and we're looking at maybe 3 or 4 million more coming in in the next 12 months? Well, I, I, I did when, when we elected Obama. I did. But I just didn't know we'd get here this soon. No, and, you know, Obama was bad enough, but Joe is worse, although I think I, I tend to agree with the people who believe that this is just uh, Obama's third term in office, that Joe isn't really calling the shots, that they're being called by Obama through his former staffers who now make up much of the staff of Joe Biden's White House. So they don't even have to do it, uh, you know, in a, in a way that conceals how that's being done. Uh, Joe, Joe is a puppet or a marionette. And Obama pulls the strings, and all he has to do is, is talk to his former staff members and say, have him do this or have him do that. And as long as Joe gets ice cream every afternoon, he's completely happy. Well, I, I think that's right. And I, I think sometimes we miss, the, I think it's a, it's a spiritual component as well. There's, it, it, there's good and evil, and it seems like that's as clear as it's ever been in, in the history of the world. And, and, and that's part of what we're having to fight against as well. 
You know what's kind of funny is that uh, you mentioned, I mean, I believe in a spiritual component to it as well. Um, but, but it used to be that we had a clearer sense of what, of, of right and wrong. And these days, everybody I talk to about issues wants to say, well, there's a nuance to it. And it's not just black and white. It really is black and white. I mean, for example, the most recent yeah. example, of course, was this Claudine Gay character, the uh, the person who was the president of Harvard and has now been busted down to just be a dean and a professor at Harvard. She's still making almost 900000 a year. Um, and she sits there on Capitol Hill and says, well, anti-Semitism is usually bad, but if you understand the context, there are contexts in which anti-Semitism is okay. I mean, this is where we've arrived at in America, where you don't have black and white, you don't have good and evil, yeah, you have you have fifty shades of gray, you know that kind of thing. Yes, well, I I'm encouraged because I'm part of the homeschool movement, you know, and and yep. it's doubling, it's tripling, and and those kids are going to be the kids that that pull our butts out of this malaise that we're in, you know. Well, and in fact, my my granddaughter is homeschooled, and I. I, th I think a lot of homeschooling, and for for decades, I really didn't have a dog in the fight. Now I do, uh, because Payson's homeschooled, and, and she's doing very, very well. But what, what I think is going to be kind of funny is when all of the people who left their kids stuck in these toxic government-run schools, the ones that fail to teach a majority of the students, and that's literally true, a majority of the students fail to get a basic education. And then, on top of that, they throw in all the indoctrination. They teach your kids that skin color determines who you are and where you're going and whether you're good or evil. That's the one place where they do believe in good or evil. If you've got white skin, you're evil. If you have brown or black skin, you're, you're simply a victim of a racist system. All this crap that they're throwing down the throats of these people. But what's going to happen in the long run, Luke? You know that, that on average, the average kid who's homeschooled does better is more likely to go to college and not a college like Harvard, but actually get something out of the education, have some values, they're going to be running the show. And the folks who went for the indoctrination and the DEI and the CRT and all the rest of that garbage, uh, they're going to be the ones taking orders from uh, from the homeschool kids of today. I think so. I think that's right, Lars. Well, and I appreciate your thought about, yeah, just bring all our enemies to American soil. And we can fight them here and save on the fuel bill. Thanks for the call, Luke. 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And our Twitter poll, or X poll as we're calling it now, if Joe Biden will not stop the illegal alien invasion, should Republicans carry through with their threat to shut down the government? While Andy Biggs of Arizona, Republican, said no more money for this bureaucracy of this government until you brought the border under control. Shut the border down or shut the government down. Now, you could say, well, that's a radical notion. No, it's not. It's common sense. You've got a president who's opened wide the border, the invasion. And he's got a secretary of Homeland Security who refuses to even tell the truth to Congress. And that's why Alejandro Mayorkas is coming up under articles of impeachment next week. And they're going to start considering an impeachment vote on him. And I understand when they get to the Senate, the Democrats will just vote in lockstep like they usually do and say we're not going to convict him. But if Biden won't stop the illegal alien invasion, then shut the government down. Turn the money supply off and say, Joe, you need to fix this problem. And that doesn't mean giving Joe Biden billions of dollars so he can speed up the entry of more millions of illegal aliens. Already, 
We're looking at an America where about every three and a half months, we're going to see another one million illegal aliens cross our border. That's the current number. One million every three and a half months. And if you think this country can survive that, that's absolutely crazy. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. I did want to mention this. Um, about being pro-choice, pro-presidential choice in this case, not pro-baby-killing choice. Um, the fact is, you're going to see the Democrats over the next 10 months pull out all the stops. They're going to do everything they can to throw Donald Trump off the ballot. And I think American voters are smarter than the Democrats give them credit for. American voters are going to look at that and say, if you are so darn desperate to keep this man from running for office because you know he's the choice of the American people, then that redoubles the efforts I'm going to make to make sure I vote for the right person. Young people are figuring that out. So are people of color. People who are brown and black have said, you know what? Joe Biden isn't working out very well for us. We're going to go for the guy with orange hair. Glad to take your calls in a moment. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. ask Lars if he wants to run for public office, like president. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to take your phone calls and emails. It is a pleasure to welcome to the program United States Congressman Derek Van Orden, who represents Wisconsin's District 3. That's got to be interesting. Congressman, it's a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. And it is interesting. I don't say I'm from the great state of Wisconsin. I say I'm from the greatest state of Wisconsin. So write that down. So that out to your listeners. The greatest state of Wisconsin. Well, my former That's debate correct. partner became one of the academics at the University of Wisconsin, and he's a total thoroughgoing liberal. So I'm, I, congratulations to any conservative who can hold his own in a place like Wisconsin. Yes, you got it. Yeah, man. So, um, well, you know, we just got, well, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say, you you sound like you've got the right point of view on the border, which is well, we need to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas as Homeland Security Secretary because he's actually opened up the floodgates to an invasion that Americans are now suffering under of illegal aliens that totals about 8 or 9 million people with another 300,000 or so coming in every month. Uh, and we need to somehow figure out either tell the Biden administration, shut the border or close the government down, uh, turn off the money tap. Uh, am I am I out of order on that one, uh, Congressman? No, you're not. No, Lars. And uh, people ask me, should we impeach Mayorkas? And I asked them to tell me a single reason why he should maintain his job, because I can't think of anything. Um, he has opened the borders completely. Him and Joe Biden reversed all of the policies that were put in place by President Trump, which dried up illegal immigration. It took a little bit, but then it kicked in. And if you look at uh, the flow of illegal immigrants coming into the country, it started to, to peak after President uh, Biden uh, got elected because Biden and Kamala Harris said, come on into the United States. You can stay here as long as you want, and you're going to be, uh, be able to become citizens, is what they're telling them. And that spiked it. So this is such a complicated issue. I like to divide it into a few things, and uh, some of which I just learned for the first time, and that's my third time at the border. There's policy solutions we can look at because there's national security implications, and there's also humanitarian um, implications here. So from the policy side, as I said, Biden got into office. He reversed 
the Remain in Mexico policy, speaking to the Border Patrol agents in Eagle Pass, if they put uh, Remain in Mexico back in place, that would stop 70% of the illegal immigration tomorrow. It would actually take about a week but to get that done. But they, unfortunately, do not want to do that. Uh, also, if you remember, they shut down the trains going back and forth through Eagle Pass. And I spoke to these guys, and I had them lay it out on a timeline. So when they closed the railroads, five days later, they went from 1,500 immigrants a day in Eagle Pass to, to less than 200. And it wasn't the people riding on the train. It was the fact that Mexico was losing $50 million a day because they couldn't transport goods into the United States. That's a financial pressure point that we can apply to Mexico. And that does literally take five days. Um, when we're talking about the national security implications that are uh, taking place now, it's just remarkable. So it's between 7 and 10 million illegal immigrants have been entered, uh, entered the country illegally under Joe Biden's watch. Ninety percent of those have already been released into the United States. Ninety so percent of the seven to ten million. I'm glad my numbers aren't completely out of order because most of them I get from members of Congress like you. Um, but right. and, and I think if anybody says, well, that's not fair to put that pressure on Mexico. How much how much are we, are we going to be spending in the out years, you know, the years going forward, even if we cut it off at nine or say seven to ten million, nine million is the as the midpoint of that. I mean, in New York City alone, they're spending over a billion dollars a month to somehow deal with just the illegals that made it to New York City. And Chicago's got the same problem in all these other big cities. So Mexico and the other countries that are allowing this to happen, including our own country, are putting gigantic pressure on American taxpayers when we're already functionally broke. That's correct. And Lars, let's remember, they didn't just make it to New York City and Chicago. The Biden administration flew them there. Yep. Or the beleaguered states of Texas and California, or excuse me, Texas and Florida sent them there. But less than 30% of the uh, illegal aliens that are in New York and around the country were sent there by Texas. So the Biden administration is trying to make sure or trying to blame Texas for what they're doing. And I don't know if you saw some of this footage from yesterday. I did. I was standing with the Speaker of the House, 60 other Republican members of Congress, hundreds of police officers and military folks, and several people walked up through the river and said Venezuela, Venezuela to us completely unabashedly and then walked through the Constantina wire onto U.S. soil. And there is zero fear of any type of uh, culpability for these folks. So they know that they're going to walk in here and they're going to be treated humanely, which they should, but then they're also going to be released into the United States. And I guarantee you those eight to ten people that we saw walking across will be in Chicago this weekend. That's how fast they move them through the system. And I'm talking to Derek Van Orden, who's a member of Congress representing District 3 in Wisconsin. So, and And is it worse than that as well? Because some of those illegals know if I get across the border, even in the middle of nowhere, I just wait for Border Patrol to pick me up. They'll take me somewhere. We'll, I'll get uh, a shower, uh, you know, use the restroom, uh, get a couple, get a meal, maybe some medical care, and then they're going to give me a plane ticket or a bus ticket anywhere I want to go in America. How how outrageous is that? It's shocking, and the vetting system is completely broken. I used an example. One of my uh, colleagues had his name on one of his, you know, to the U.S. congressman, and I asked the guy who's in charge of the Eagle Pass processing center i said so if this guy walks into the country and he's got a shirt that has his name on it or he doesn't have anything he just tells you what his name is 
what are you guys doing? They said, well, we ask him for identification. I said, suppose he doesn't have identification. Then he said, then we run him through these databases. Well, Lars, you know, I'm a retired Navy SEAL, and I did some advanced human intelligence work previously. So I understand these databases intimately. If you're not in a database or you give a false name and there's no biometrics on you, you're going to come clean in any database because if you're not in there, you're not in there. So he said, well, run them through these databases, and then if they don't pop, then that person becomes whoever they said they were. So let's say they were Bill Johnson. Guy comes in and says, I'm Bill Johnson. They run him through a database. He doesn't pop for anything because he's never been uh, detained by somebody before or has no biometrics, or he gave a false name. Then the United States government makes that person Bill Johnson. And then Bill Johnson gets to tell them what his birthday is and the country that he was born in. They give this person an ID card with a little barcode on it and a picture that says Bill Johnson, the, the birth date that Bill Johnson gave them, and the country of origin that Bill Johnson told them. They use that to get a work permit. And that, That's that creating false government ID. ID, right, Congressman? So, I mean, in some ways, I want to try radical things, like getting a Texas prosecutor, an Arizona prosecutor, to, to bring charges against against the federal government for create, knowingly creating false identification. Well, it, it's just shocking. The national security implications of that are incredibly profound. So, again, 90-plus percent of these people, at least the 7 million people that have come in here, are somewhere in the United States. And from the humanitarian side, and this is just terrible, if someone takes if people take anything away from this, um, the United States government under the Biden administration has lost over 100,000 unaccompanied minors in the United wow. States. So you remember when AOC put her pantsuit on and bright red lipstick and was crying next to a chain link fence? Yep. No one bothered looking at the other side of the picture. There's an open gate right next to her. Everybody knows that, right? Yep. So when she was doing that, that was over kids being held in cages, which, in fact, they were not actually being held in cages. But to to the point of absurdity, there are 100,000, at least 100,000 unaccompanied children that came across the border that are somewhere in the United States that the Biden administration turned over to NGOs and they don't know where they are. Unbelievable. That's Congressman Derek Van Orden. Congressman, thanks for your service in the U.S. Navy, SEALs, uh, and thanks for your service as the third district congressman from this great state, greatest state of Wisconsin. Back in a moment. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. stjude.org Donald Trump with a warning to Hamas at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you live on the Radio Northwest Network, which has now for 24 years served the Pacific Northwest states, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho, with honestly provocative talk. And we've got a bit of breaking news at this hour. Uh, I want to tell you about that in a moment. 
Uh, first, let me remind you, the X poll, which you can find on what used to be known as Twitter, if Joe Biden won't stop the illegal alien invasion, should Republicans shut down the government, as some of the Republicans in Congress are threatening to do, like Andy Biggs, shut the border down or we'll shut the government down? Today's X poll is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. I want to alert you that a few hours ago, there was a shooting in the town of Perry, Iowa, at a school. And uh, one one child is dead, a sixth grader, and five are said to be wounded or injured, but the sixth grader has died. And we're already getting indications that the killer, in this case, I won't call him a shooter, the killer uh, is apparently, or was, took his own life, but was a transgender child. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a pattern of shootings over the last few years of a lot of disturbed people who are said to be or identify themselves as transgender, and that is a factor that most of the mainstream media simply wants to ignore. Second issue, and I got a, a tip from my friend Bill. He said, Lars, just found out from an employee as a child attending Wilsonville High School that somebody potentially was stabbed. The school is on lockout. Uh, a text message from his daughter said somebody was removed on a stretcher. If any of you have a direct knowledge of that through your children or your families, please let me know. 866-439-5277. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, vote in our Twitter poll. And uh, I want to remind you that this hour or this segment of the show is brought to you by ProTech Power. Uh, the home generating folks at ProTech Power, home power generating folks. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out. Call 541-ONA-GEN. That's 541-ONA-GEN. Let's go to Charlie. Hey, Charlie, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hi, yeah, um, I'm a landlord out of Washington State, and yeah. I was wondering, uh, I've gotten a couple tenants come in that, or prospective tenants that have said that they are asylum seekers coming across the border. The majority of them are saying that they are Mexican. And they also say that they're using a government, government subsidy for, um, for their income source. So for a, like a food stipend and, uh, and a housing stipend. And I didn't know if that was a real thing. Or if somebody could run that to ground, I can. I would. I would imagine it is a real thing, Charlie. You know that the, an awful lot of the people coming across the border are being, being given either debit cards or cash as they come into the United States. The Biden administration is doing it. Also, some NGOs, non-governmental organizations, are doing it as well. And most of that money, whether it's coming through the UN or coming from the U.S. Congress or coming from Homeland Security. Uh, they're diverting money left and right to that kind of thing. And if I'm not wrong, uh, Charlie, I used to be a landlord a long, long time ago, decades ago, and the rules were different. But now, an awful lot of states, and I think Washington is one of them, you're not allowed to discriminate based on the source of income. And that was supposed to be directed at people who say we're on welfare, TANF, or, or that kind of thing. Uh, but I have a feeling that if you say, I'm not going to rent to you if you're getting a, some kind of stipend because you came in illegally, uh, they're they're going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. So before you turn anybody down, be sure you talk to your lawyer uh, because landlords are under all kinds of crazy new rules right now. But would I believe that that's happening? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for the call, by the way. Let's go to Lynn. Uh, Lynn, thanks for listening. What's on your mind? Well, you know what? I'm oh, there's several things, actually. But as far as closing the border is concerned, yeah, yeah, I think they should close the border, and I think that they should shut down the government. But... 
what I think they should do is shut down the politicians, tell them, you know what, you guys are going to work without pay until you get this stuff figured out. Because that's not fair to shut down the government and have people that are working for a living that are trying to um, make money like down in the, um, the, like the Forest Service or the people like that. Yeah, I, Lynn, I agree with you in principle. Can I tell you two reactions I have immediately? For most of us, if my boss said your, cut, your paycheck is cut, I'd be very worried. But most of the members of Congress are already millionaires when they get there, and they become richer still while they're in the U.S. Congress. Most of them leave as big-time millionaires. And so I'm not sure they give a damn about the ten or $12,000 check they get once a month for being in the Congress. It's not much of a threat to them is what I'm saying. They don't. You're right. They don't. But the simple fact of the reason is, is, you know, and they don't pick up their money because they went to work for Congress. They pick it up because of all the side deals and the lobbying yes. and stuff like True. that, which is all another true. thing. You know, we need to get rid of these doggone rhinos. You know, I mean, people voted Republican because they were sick and tired of Democrats. Just because some Democrat is blackmailing some daggone Republican doesn't mean that they have to vote Republican ways. And they need to get out of there. They need to. Every single one that's not living up to what the voters said that they were supposed to do needs to get impeached. And, and ultimately, finally, Lynn, you know who decides way. that, don't you? What? You know who decides that, right? It's voters. Yeah, the voters they do. Well, the, and, and incumbents have a lot of power, but I think we ought to look at every single member of Congress and say, you need to re-earn your job. Incumbents are almost guaranteed to get re-elected. But if voters actually said, you know, you ran as a conservative and you haven't voted as a conservative, we're going to pick somebody else. And in most cases, sadly, voters simply vote for the people who already have congressmen in front of their name, and we get stuck with the same bunch. Lynn, thanks for the call. Glad to have you with me. Hope you join me for First Amendment Friday. Your calls are always welcome at 866-HEY-LARS, and send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. The Lars Larson.